Welcome back, everybody, to part two of the MLB show with Keith and Loro here on the Loro Antonio Sports Talk podcast. Now that part one's concluded, let's go to part two. And first things first, we're going to talk about the American League East. And the first team we're going to talk about is the defending World Series champion, Boston Red Sox. So really, um, I heard that Sandy Leone is on, is, they placed him on waivers. Pedroia is going to start the year on the injured list. And also, Chris Sale got a got a big payday from the White Sox. But I also think that Chris Sale really likes playing for the Red Sox. Yeah, I love that signing for them. Um, obviously, an ace pitcher, top five starter in Major League Baseball. I think it's important to lock a guy up like that um, who is just – so, so tremendous. And, I mean, this is a guy that's going to end up competing for a Cy Young once again. Um, interesting thing about Pedroia is that I think this could actually be kind of a bounce-back year for him um, whenever he's able to come back. I, I wanted, you know, I want to see him healthy again. Um, you know, one of the guys that I've always loved watching on the Red Sox is Dustin Pedroia. I mean, he just play, he plays so hard. He's a good hitter, um, you know, underrated defender at second base. And, um, you know, I, I really think that if he's able to come back finally healthy for once this year, I, I think you could see some really surprising things out of him. Yes, and actually, I'm actually going to go on a limb here because I have the Boston Red Sox playing, making the playoffs as the first wild card team because when we talk about this team, I expect the New York Yankees to come away with the American League East because I really think this is a deeper Yankees team that I've seen. Yeah, it absolutely is. And one thing I can point, you know, one thing I point out um, as as far as the main difference that I see between the New York Yankees and the Boston Red Sox, you know, you can talk about the lineup, um, you know, up and down as as much as you want, but you know, one thing that I'm a hundred percent worried about with this Red Sox team is their bullpen. I mean, their bullpen is just not is just nowhere near the caliber of the Yankees. I mean, the Yankees go four deep at the back end of the bullpen, um, you know, very easily. I mean, you look at the you look at the Red Sox right now. No Craig Kimbrell, and I, you know, I, I don't think they're going to resign him. Um, and I no Joe Kelly. Obviously, you lose him to the Dodgers. Uh, you know, he was a guy that when you know in the playoffs was absolutely lights out. So right now, um, you know, I'm kind of taking a look and taking a look at it, and this bullpen is going to be. This is kind of like the same thing right now um, that I look at with, you know, that I. <clears throat> this is kind of the same thing right now that I look at a little bit with uh, the Minnesota Twins. I think if there's one kind of weakness for them right now, it's probably going to be uh, not the Minnesota Twins, the Cleveland Indians. I think if there's one weakness for them, it's going to probably be their bullpen. Um, because losing Kimbrel is big, and losing Joe Kelly is big. You know, I I can't even honestly, I can't even look at the team right now and name a closer. Maybe Matt Barnes, uh, just because he throws hard. But I I don't really have a definitive closer on this team. So um, that's what I. Other than obviously some intricacies in the lineup, that may be the one thing that separates the Red Sox from the Yankees. I think for me, when it comes to who I think is going to be the closer of the Boston Red Sox, I'm going with Matt Barnes. Yeah, and I th- honestly, like I said, I can't even really pick out a closer out of anybody in here, and I would probably have to go with Matt Barnes like you, but the only reason I would go with him is j- kind of by default just because he throws really hard. Um, that's really my only reasoning behind it, and he's got a pretty solid breaking ball, but um, they just really don't have you know, the, the, the solid bullpen pieces that they've had in the past. Now, who knows? Maybe they'll surprise me 
um, throughout the year. But I think if I look at one weakness of this team, it's certainly going to be that bullpen. And that is one area where the, the New York Yankees have absolutely loaded up. They, the Yankees have been loaded with their bullpen this year. And uh, speaking of Craig Kimbrell, I think I would expect Craig Kimbrell to sign with the team on opening day. I wouldn't be surprised if he's a Philly or a Milwaukee Brewer. I've been hearing a lot about the Milwaukee Brewers, um, you know, because they're they're suspecting a you know some pretty bad news on the injury front for their closer Corey Knebel. Um, I've heard a lot of things about the uh, Atlanta Braves, um, even possibly a reunion there. Um, but uh, you know, I, I think it's going to be just it's just going to come down to Kimbrel's price tag. You know, he's going to have to lower it because I am not paying. I'm not giving him that you know for you know that that four maybe five year deal that he's been at you know probably still demanding i i heard earlier obviously in the offseason we talked about that you know he was demanding a, a five six year contract something like that um you know he needs to lower his price tag so um you know uh, until he does he's just gonna sit out here on the free agent market yeah so now that being said uh because you said that canable has has a elbow exam and I, I'm not sure if it's going to be serious or not, but that would be a big blow to the Brewers bullpen. But really, like we talked about before, I, my pick to be the Brewers closer is Josh Hader. Yeah. I love Josh Hader. Um, tremendous, tremendous stuff may probably produces some of the silliest swings that I think I've seen out of a guy in a really, really long time. And, um, you know, if you want to, if, if you're listening and you want to get kind of a, a microcosm of that, just look up an at bat that Daniel Murphy had against Josh Hader and you'll understand exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, the dude, it looked like Daniel Murphy was, was like swinging a balloon. It was like the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Um, and I think he's going to, I think he's going to be a closer. Certainly I, if I'm the Brewers, I have, you know, if Craig Kimbrell's price tag drops and it's right. I would have no problem going out there and picking him up and throwing him back there because I think he's a, no disrespect to Corey Canable, but Craig Kimbrell's an upgrade right there. And then it, and Jeremy you, Jeffress is is, my, is probably going to miss opening day from what I heard. Yeah, he's pro, he's probably going to miss opening day, but when he comes back, that he's still a beast. And you know, him don't want to rush Jeremy Jeffress back, man. Oh no, I I don't think you I don't think you rush him back. Um, I mean. Obviously, obviously, because of how packed the top of that division is going to be, um, you know, when you're competing with St. Louis and, you know, competing with Chicago, um, you're, you're obviously going to want to bring back your best guys right away, you know, kind of as fast as you possibly can, you know, just because you don't want to lose a step. Every game is important when you're competing with two other teams at the top of the division so closely. Um, but in order for them to be formidable, that bullpen is going to continue to have to carry them and, Jeffress is a beast along with Hater, and if they can uh, hopefully Knable's injury is not serious but if it is if they can go out and get maybe if they can maybe go get Kimbrell um, that would certainly be helpful for them yeah now let's go back to the Red Sox they just put Sandy Leone on waivers I knew that was gonna happen because I think Blake Swihart deserves a chance to be the backup catcher I expect Christian Vasquez to be the starting catcher uh, there's guys I like when it comes to their prospects like Michael Chavis I expect him to be their first baseman of the future Mm-hmm. And then there's also good pitching prospects like Dalton. Uh, I, I was told this earlier. There's a good pitching prospect that could be their closing future. Because, you know, in the history of the Red Sox, they have trouble building – building. Uh, they have trouble internally with when it comes to their pitching staff. 
Yeah, yeah, they do. They have had some problems kind of developing players, um, you know, over the course of uh, over the course of their history. Um, they they have absolutely no problem whatsoever when it comes to uh, developing hitters, and um, they're going to continue to do. They're going to continue to just kind of pull hitters out of the minor leagues. You mentioned Michael Chavis, um, Tristan Cassis is a dude that is a, a big left-handed bat that is going to continue to develop down to the minor league system for them. Um, their, their first round pick last year, Jason groom is still rehabbing from Tommy John surgery. Um, so he's, he's eventually going to, you know, you're eventually going to want to see him step into the rotation. Um, you know, they, they have, uh, you know, they have, they're going to continue to roll out big boppers as far as offense goes. Um, I, I'm very interested to see what their pitching is going to look like within the next couple of years. I think you have Chris Sale now. Um, that's certainly going to going to help. David Price, you're still going to have under lock for a couple of years. I'm interested to see how Eduardo Rodriguez uh, develops at that fifth spot in the rotation. Hopefully, he can you know he can develop and kind of show that he can be sort of a top end guy. Absolutely, I think. He's my breakout candidate for the Red Sox this year. And also talk about Durbin Feltman, who I think could be the future closer of the Boston Red Sox. Yeah, yeah. Tremendous stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Really, really, really nice young arm for them. Um, you know, and, you know, like I said, the, the, the weakness of this team is their bullpen right now. But, you know, he, he is definitely a dude that, he, you know, next couple of years you can slide right into that closer's role. I mean, that dude has electric stuff. Um, and, you know, I agree with you 100% about Eduardo Rodriguez. Um, you know, he, he was a dude that, for me, you know, nice slider, uh, you know, good, good fastball, nothing incredibly overpowering. He sits about mid-90s with it, but he can certainly, you know, blow up by hitters sneakily up in the zone. Um, you know, he's going to probably slide into that five spot into the rotation this year. And I just want to continue. I just want to see him grow. I want to see him, you know, eat innings and, you know, continue to develop his stuff and hopefully show the Red Sox that he can be a top end of the rotation guy for the future. Yeah. So talk about some big offseason moves for the Red Sox, other than we keep extending Chris Sale. They re-signed Steve Pierce, Nathan Ovaldi. I like that signing. I remember him when he was a Dodger. And after he, coming off his Tommy John surgeries, he has electric stuff. And another guy that I'm telling you who's going to break out this year is uh, Rafael Devers. Yeah, I love Devers. Um, good young, good young left-handed hitter with pop. Um, absolutely, absolutely loved re-signing. Um, you know, Yavaldi and Steve Pierce. Love it. I mean, those are two guys that provide not only are great clubhouse guys. They provided kind, they'll kind of help to provide that World Series swagger uh, that the Red Sox have. Pierce is a dude that has tremendous pop. Uh, from the right side, DH position. I think him and Mitch Moreland are going to platoon at first base this year. Until um, Davis is ready. Until Exactly. And then, um, you know, obviously, Yavaldi is just a dude with dynamite stuff. Lights out, high 90, 100-mile-an-hour fastball, cutter at 95 to 96, which I, I don't remember ever seeing anything like that in my entire life. Um, and highlight the game of the year for Evaldi last year, game through the World Series when that game went, struck midnight. He pitched he pitched the game of his life until he gave up that home run to Max Muncy. It was brilliant. Um, it, it's so much fun to watch. And, you know, the moment he kind of – I know you were obviously probably happy about it, but the moment that he – gave up that home run to Max Muncy. I was kind of heartbroken for the kid. He was because he pitched his ass off 
that game. He came in and put on probably one of the more heroic relief performances that I've seen from a pitcher uh, in the World Series over the last few years. He was supposed to start game four of the World Series, but Alex Cora changed his mind. Yeah, and I mean, you know what? It was a ballsy move by Alex Cora, you know, throwing your number four starter in there, but he gave you exactly what you needed, uh, you know, relieving in that game. It was so much fun to watch. Yeah, it was fun to watch to see Nathan Avoldi playing that, and also uh, Eduardo Rodriguez was the man responsible for giving Puig the 4-0 Dodgers lead. Thought the Dodgers were going to win game four of the World Series, but... Again, that bullpen of the Dodgers sucked last year, but this bullpen of the Dodgers is going to be a lot better this year. Yeah, going to be definitely much better. Obviously, you cut you, uh, you know, pry Joe Kelly away from the Red Sox. That's definitely going to help. Um, I expect Dylan, Flo- you know, we both expect Dylan Floro to have a really nice year, kind of be that seventh inning guy. Hopefully, Yimi Garcia can get himself right. Um, so this is definitely going to be a really, really nice bullpen as in comparison to last year. Yes, and then let's talk about my breakout players, our breakout players for the Boston Red Sox this year. I have Eduardo Rodriguez, and also I'm picking uh, Rafael Devers. Yeah, yeah, me too. Um, You know, I'm excited about Devers. I think he's going to be, you know, he's a young, young dude, but he has shown early on that he has tremendous pop. 21 home runs last year and 450 at-bats. Um, I think as he continues to slide into the lineup every single day, he's just going to get better and better. And I mean, the crazy thing about this is that, you know, it's just, it's just continuing down the line for, for, for the Red Sox being able to throw up these young kids that can just mash. I mean, it's insane. Raphael Devers is 22. Um, You know, I can still remember when Xander Bogarts came up in 2013, um, you know, he's developed into an unbelievable player. Mookie Betts is obviously an MVP. Jackie Bradley Jr. is a dude that is a tremendous defensive center fielder, has some pop uh, as well. Um, so, I mean, this is it, it's just amazing to see how the Red Sox just continue to roll out tremendous offensive talent. And I think this dude is going to be a sneaky 30 home run guy for them. Yeah, for Rafael Devers for sure. And then uh, in Pedroia's absence, before we get to our lineup here, I think expect Brock Holt and Eduardo Nunez to get some time at second base. But I really think Brock Holt is probably the better hitter than Eduardo Nunez. Yeah, I think he's definitely the more versatile hitter. Um, Obviously you're going to see some, you're going to get a much higher speed upgrade uh, when you have Nunez in your lineup. But I think as far as a consistent hitter goes um, with the ability to hit the ball to all fields, uh, a little bit more versatile up and down the lineup. I think Brock Holt is probably the better option. Yeah, so in my lineup for the Boston Red Sox looks like this. So I have uh, leading off and playing second base, Dustin Pedroia. Hitting second is the left fielder, Andrew Benintendi, as part of the Killer Bees on this team. Hitting third is uh, hitting third is is the right fielder, the reigning American League MVP, who I think is going to continue to put up MVP-type numbers, is Mookie Betts. Hitting fourth is the shortstop, Xander Bogarts. Hitting fifth is the designated hitter, J.D. Martinez. Hitting sixth is the third baseman, Rafael Devers. Hitting seventh is the first baseman, Mitch Moreland. Until Javis is ready, you you could throw him in there right away. And then hitting eighth is the catcher, and who I think is better than Sandy Leon and Blake Swihart is Christian Vasquez. And hitting ninth is the center fielder, J.B.J., Jackie Bradley Jr. Yeah, I like that lineup a lot. Uh, Mine looks a little bit different. Uh, I have – I have Andrew Benintendi leading off playing left field. Uh, I have Mookie Betts uh, as my number two hitter batting in right field. American League MVP last year, who I think is just going to 
put up more MVP numbers again. Now we're going to get to the Yankees in a minute, but my MVP candidate for the American, my MVP winner for the American League right now is Aaron Judge. Um, but I certain, but I think that Mookie Betts is going to be right behind him, batting third in the DH spot. Another dude that's going to compete for the American League MVP, JD Martinez. Uh, batting fourth, like you, I have the shortstop Xander Bogarts. Uh, batting fifth, I have um, whatever combination of Mitch Moreland or Steve Pierce that you want to throw in there. Um, at, at first base, that's just obviously at the moment, um, barring, you know, when players returns from injuries and things like that, uh, batting sixth, I have Raphael Devers at third base batting seventh. I have Brock Holt at second base, uh, batting eighth. I have Jackie Bradley jr. In center field and batting ninth. I have Christian Vasquez doing the catching. Yes. And I, I think Vasquez is a better hitting catcher than, uh, Sandy Leon is. Yeah, absolutely. Provides a little bit more pop and consistent pop in the lineup. And then the next team we're going to talk about is before we dive into the Orioles, the Blue Jays, and the Rays, let's talk about the Red Sox arch rival, the New York Yankees. So news to point out here is that Didi Gregorius is going to under, he underwent Tommy John surgery on October 17th, and he's not going to return until at least June, which that's going to be a long time. But I think Troy Tulowitzki will step up nicely in the shortstop role. And I also think I also don't have Brett Gardner in my, uh, I have Brett Gardner. I don't have Brett Gardner in my uh, projected Yankees lineup, but now that Aaron Hicks being treated with the lower with lower back stiffness and he has been ruled out for opening day, Brett Gardner will get some time in center field. From what I'm seeing here, then Aaron Judge obviously is in right field, and uh, Luis Severino has a right rotator cuff inflammation. He's going to miss all of April, and then uh, Sabathia is recovering from a agnoplasty performed in December, and he will be and uh, and. Uh, as well as right knee surgery performed in October, he will begin the season on the suspension list. But the Yankees, I mean, they don't. Once they get those guys back, they're in good shape, especially when they get Aaron Hicks back. Oh yeah, I mean, this Yankees team, I expect them to. I, I expect them to win a hundred games again. I mean, th- this team, up and down the lineup power power and more power um i love the addition of james paxton at the top of that rotation that's a tremendous get for them um especially because of the fact that now even you know especially because of the fact that now you're gonna have uh, severino out for all of april um you know they re-signed zach Britton, who i think is gonna have a nice year for them um Dellen batances is gonna start on the injury list but when he I forgot comes, to mention him and, yes uh, when he comes back healthy Dallin Batances is the setup man that will give the ball to Aroldis Chapman. And then Zach uh, is the guy that is also another option to be the setup man, too, with Anavino being the seventh-inning guy. I mean, this bullpen is just so deep with power arms. I mean, Canley throws 100. Chad Green throws 100. Adam Anavino throws probably – throws a wiffle ball of a slider. Like, I've never even seen anything like that. It literally looks like a – it looks like a Frisbee. It's ridiculous. Um, Zach Britton throws high 90s on a sinker. Uh, Patantis throws 100. Chapman throws 100. I mean, they just have arm after arm after arm after arm in this bullpen. It's like it's, – it's probably one of the most stacked bullpens that I've seen. Yes, it has. And even if, and even if the Yankees are without Aaron Hicks and all that, and then – and then putting Brett Gardner in center field, I don't expect Brett Gardner to be starting in the alpha because of his age and he's been getting old. And Jacoby Ellsbury, he's also not going to be ready for opening day. And I don't know if he's going to – he can't catch a break here with all those injuries. No, that's been a bad contract for them. Um, you know, he hasn't been able to stay healthy. And when he has been on the field, I mean, he just – 
he hasn't been that guy. And I mean, they signed him from the Red Sox a while ago, kind of thinking that they were getting that MVP caliber guy that he was, um, you know, when he had that really, really nice, uh, what was it? A two, what was it? 2012 or 13 when he hit like 30 home runs and stole 40 some on bases. That's the guy that they thought they were getting. And, um, you know, he, he number, the number one problem is that he's just never have been able to stay healthy. I mean, it just seems like he's had a, a nick and a bruise every other week. That's putting him on the DL for multiple days or, you know, multiple months at a time. And then he's in, you know, when he is on the field, he's not very consistent. He doesn't provide uh, the type of power that you would have thought you know, you were getting, especially bringing a, a left-handed hitter into Yankee Stadium with the, you know, power potential that he has. Um, and, you know, all in all, I mean, that contract really just hasn't worked out. But obviously with the way that the Yankees have built their team now and the depth in their lineup, obviously it's really not a huge problem. Yes, and now let's talk about another big offseason move that I really like, who I expect to be the starting first baseman for the Yankees over an injury play, Greg Bird, and a – and over Luke Voigt is DJ LeMahieu. Yeah, really interesting get for them. Um, you know, a, a guy. It's it's weird because you know you lose DJ LeMahieu, right? And not From the DJ. Rock. DJ LeMahieu, excuse me. You lose DD. You lose DD Gregorius, right? He's a dude in your lineup that's you know solid infielder. You know, provides you a little bit of pop. Nice hitter. You lose him. Oh, wait, no, you know what, never mind. Let me just go reach over to Colorado and grab the reigning National League batting champion and throw him in the middle and throw him in the lineup. I mean, that's that's a tremendous get for them. Um, you know, I, I it just it just continues to add the depth in that lineup. I have LeMahieu batting seventh, which is which is hilarious considering he batted 356 last year. I mean, that's how deep this lineup is. This is a deep lineup, but we're going to get to my projected lineup for the Yankees in a minute. I have Gleyber Torres leading off, then I have Andorra hitting, hitting second. And I, I don't have – with the guys that I don't have on my projected lineup is Luke Voigt in, at first base. I don't have uh, Brett Gardner in there because I think it's Clint Frazier time. I expect him to start in left field with Aaron Hicks in center and also, uh, and also Aaron Judge in right and John Carlos Stanton being the team's primary DH. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I definitely like that. Um, I had a, I'm not going to lie. I had a lot of fun tinkering uh, w- with the Yankees lineup. I mean, it's just so deep. There's just so many guys and so many options that you can throw in there. That just, they, they turned into the Dodgers almost. They really have. I mean, they just have – they was, have everything. My, I actually told you this earlier on the show that I'm actually going on the limb of who I think is going to win the American League East. And my pick – before it was the Boston Red Sox. But I changed my mind now. I had a change of heart. That's why I'm going with the New York Yankees to win the American League East. Yeah, I, I see a Yankees Dodgers World Series. I think that would be incredible. That would be insanely interesting, and you know, I I think that that is definitely the 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 um the ultimate destination for the for the New York Yankees. I think that this is going to end up being the team that wins the American League. You mean you you agree with me about the Yankees winning the American League East and the Boston Red Sox play the Tampa Bay Rays in the uh, wild card game? Yeah, I agree with you, but I also think uh, to take it to take it one step further. I think the I think the New York Yankees are headed to the are going to be headed to the World Series this year. I think when it comes to home field advantage for who has home field advantage in the World Series, I think I would still expect that to be the Dodgers. Yeah, I, I think so too. Um, but because last know. year Red Sox had home field advantage, and I expect the Dodgers to have the best record in baseball and to have home field advantage in the World Series for games one and two and six and seven. And that would certainly be helpful against this Yankees team if they were to play them, because uh, this is just so. This is just such a dangerous lineup. Yes, and uh, my breakout star for the New York Yankees this year is 
I'm going to go with a guy that I think is going to be good in this lineup, continue to get better. I'm going to go with uh, Clint Frazier, Miguel Andujar, and Glaber Torres because this represents the future of Yankees baseball right here. Yeah, it absolutely does, and it's a bright, bright future in that. I mean, those guys That's going to be just... the next core four right there. Oh, definitely. They with, are just and, absolutely and, tremendous. And don't forget about Severino, too. He'll be part of that next core four with Gary yeah, definitely. and Aaron Judge. Yeah, I mean, Gary Sanchez, to me, is kind of the question mark out of that right now. Um, you know, it, uh, just to probably, and this this might sound a little bit overblown, but I really don't care, um, probably one of the worst defensive catchers I have ever seen in my entire life. Um, very late. has faith in him that he can turn it around defensively. Yeah, I certainly hope so. Um, and I think it starts really with his effort, especially as far as blocking the ball is concerned. Very lazy, um, you know, really, really slow and deliberate with his, you know, w- with his with his mechanics, both blocking balls and footwork uh, as far as making throws goes. I mean, he makes up for it because he is an absolute laser. Um, and he's a little bit lazy when it comes to uh, framing pitches, kind of, you know, weakness with the wrist a little bit. Doesn't get that good uh, snap on his frames that you would really like to see from him. Um, and then offensively, he's obviously he's got tremendous pop. We know that, but big, big swing, high, you know, high volume strikeout guy. Hopefully, he can kind of rein it in. Um, and like I mentioned, I, I expect Aaron Judge to win the American League MVP this year. That could potentially change my heart there because I think Aaron Judge is going to have a full, healthy season. And also, I just looked up that Clint Frazier has had a bad spring and he's going to start the year in AAA. So. That will kind of help with his development a little bit more, but I expect him to break out once he bursts onto the scene. Yeah, I've been kind of waiting for him. Um, you know, they they really have been delaying him, uh, you know, a lot, delaying his opportunities at the big league level for whatever reason. I think, you know, he, he is such a talented kid. He's got a great swing. I think at one point or another, it's it's kind of time to move on from Brett Gardner. I mean, he's still a decently productive player, but I don't look at Brett Gardner and see him as a full time starter. Um, you know, for the next, you know, for the next couple of years, even most of this season, really. I think you know, right now I have him starting in my lineup, um, but I don't think that lasts for the full season. No, it does not because. How I have the Yankees lineup right now, which I'll tell you because I told you my breakout stars is Torres, Gleyber Torres, and Miguel Andujar. I think that they had great rookie seasons, but their sophomore seasons are going to be better. Yeah, I think they will be absolutely tremendous. And, um, you know, and a lot of people would argue that Andujar got robbed for the American League Rookie of the Year award last year. I, I kind of hop on that bandwagon as well. Um, obviously, Shohei Hotani had a really, really nice year last year. But I take a look at the numbers that Andujar put up, you know, batting almost 300, um, you know, around 30 home runs, drove in a ton of runs. Um, as a rookie, mainstay every day at third base was just a tremendous force. And then Glaber is – I, I think Glaber has an even higher ceiling, arguably, than Andujar does. Um, you know, just a tremendous athlete, really, really nice raw power um, that uh, just it went, whenever these guys hit their ceiling, they're going to be MVP candidate type players along with Judge in the middle of that lineup. Absolutely. So now I'll tell you my projected lineup for the uh, New York Yankees now. I have uh, leading off is the second baseman, Glaber Torres. Batting second is Miguel Andujar. Hitting third is the uh, hitting third is hitting third is the uh, hitting third is the uh, is the right fielder Aaron Judge. 
Hitting fourth is the catcher, uh, Gary Sanchez. Hitting fifth is the left fielder, Giancarlo Stanton. Hitting sixth is the designated hitter, Luke Voigt. Hitting seventh is the first baseman, DJ LeMayhew. Hitting eighth is the shortstop. Hitting eighth is the uh, shortstop when he comes back, Didi Gregorius. And hitting ninth is the center fielder, Aaron Hicks. So, I like I said, this was one of my favorite lineups to play with. I had a lot. I had some fun with it. Um, I made about five or six different ones, but my favorite one uh, that I came up with is one that I love. The reason I like this lineup is because it's obviously a long lineup, but to me, this is the most effective offensive lineup that I think they can roll out there on a daily basis. So this is what this is going to look like. And obviously, this I have Aaron Hicks leading off when he comes back from injury. He's playing center field. Aaron Judge, which is bad. I, I think it's weird that they like to bat him second. but It is no. weird. I, I have him batting third in my projected lineup because I think I think the reason why I have Torres and Duhar batting first and second is because they hit for power and they run well. Yeah, I li- I certainly like that. Um, I certainly do. Um, but, you know, Aaron Boone, for whatever whatever strange reason, I, I really don't know why, likes to bat Sometimes Aaron Judge Aaron, second. Ju- Aaron Boone likes to put Aaron Judge in center field I kind of get he's he can play center field. He's tall and he can grab those balls and jump. Yeah, I mean, you know, he, he's certainly not your prototypical guy, um, but you know, he can he can do some things. He can kind of track a ball down out there. Obviously, when Hicks comes back, he'll take over the center field spot. Um, so to break down my lineup fully, um, I have Aaron Hicks in center field leading off. Aaron Judge very weirdly batting second in right field. Um, I have Luke Voigt. Uh, batting third at first base, I have Giancarlo Stanton at the designated hitter position, batting fourth. I have Glaber Torres at shortstop, batting fifth. I have Miguel Andujar at third base, batting sixth. I have DJ LeMahieu at second base, batting seventh. I have Gary Sanchez at the catcher spot, batting eighth. And Brett Gardner in left field, batting ninth for now until they decide to throw Clint Frazier in the lineup. Yeah, the reason why in my lineup I've thrown Stan in left field is because I don't I don't have Luke Voigt in my lineup at first base. I have Luke Voigt being the DH because I think I would expect LeMahieu to be the everyday first baseman for the, the Yankees over an injury-prone uh, Greg Bird, and, and you know what I mean. Yeah, I actually – Greg Bird can't catch a break. No. Oh, my God. No, he cannot. I mean, he is – There, there was one point in time where I thought he was going to kind of just – take the baton from Mark Teixeira and run with it. Um, but, you know, he, he just never has panned out. Um, obviously still has that power potential, but really just cannot stay healthy. No, he can't. But when he's healthy, he's good. But all in all, like what you, you and I said, Boston Red Sox will be the first wild card team in the American League, and the New York Yankees are going to win the American League East. Yeah, absolutely. But I think it's this going to be a close race between the Yankees and the Red Sox. No, it will be. It, it definitely will be. But I still think that this Yankees team is going to end up winning 100 games. Um, you know, I think Aaron Judge is going to win the MVP in the American League, and they have my vote to win the American League as a whole and make it to the World Series. And you think the Yankees will play the Dodgers in the World Series? I do. I do. Um, and that's certainly going to be an incredibly entertaining World Series. Yes, West Coast versus East Coast. I want to see Giancarlo Stanton play because by far he's one of my favorite sluggers in baseball. But really, my favorite player on the Yankees has to be Aaron Judge. Yeah. No doubt. Unbelievable talent. Incredibly tremendous. Um, you know, and obviously, like I said, I think he's going to be the MVP uh, of the American League this year. Judge, you know, I think, is going to hit it over 40 home runs. I think Chapman's going to save over 40 games. 
and also uh, when when Sevy comes back, he's gonna be a he's gonna be a Cy Young type pitcher. Masahiro Tanaka is solid. I like the addition of James Paxton in that rotation too. And then when CC comes back, he'll add a good uh, balance to that rotation. But kudos to him being his last year and that he's going to retire after the season. He had a wonderful career. Yeah, he really did. Certainly one of the best left-handed pitchers that I've watched. He's tall. Um, he's big. He. I was surprised he can hit a home run, but I just rem- I'll always remember CC Sabathia as one of my favorite pitchers I've ever watched since I was a little kid until now. Yeah, I love him. He is tremendous, and um, you know I, I think he's going to be a surefire Hall of Famer. Um, maybe not on the first ballot, but he's certainly a Hall of Famer for me. And uh, you know, tip of the cap to him for what was just a, a really, really wonderful career. Wonderful career for CC. So now let's talk about a team that I think is going to be on the rise. And that's a team in Canada, the Toronto Blue Jays. So let's talk about some of their young prospects, too, along with Vlad Jr. And a guy, other than Vlad Jr., who I think will, will hit the big league stage this year, is Craig Biggio's son, Kevin Biggio. Who I yeah, think- and I actually – it's funny because I actually just watched a video of him hitting a home run today in spring training. And um, I, I really love the kids' swing. And it's, it's great because they have a lot of really nice young former – um, big league, you know, big league players' sons down there. Caven Biggio, um, obviously Vlad Guerrero Jr. Bo Bichette's a nice young player. Um, so they have, you know, the, the Blue Jays have some nice young talent. They just kind of lack sort of, uh, you know, in, in, in the pitching area at the moment. So here's what I think. Whenever Freddie Galvis is gone, I expect Louis Guerrero Jr. to be a utility guy and have Kevin Biggio start at second in the future, and Bo Bichette start at shortstop, and at third base, you already know who's going to start there is Vlad Jr. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like I've mentioned, Vlad Jr. is going to run away uh, with the American League Rookie of the Year. If Eloy Jimenez gets one vote, that's, that's nice. Um, but Vlad Guerrero is going to – now, he is currently hurt at the moment. He's not going to play um, in the opening uh, – series that they're doing right now with the Milwaukee uh, with the Milwaukee Brewers up in Montreal. They do that every year where they uh, go to um, Olympic Stadium, the Expos old stadium, and they play a team. They're playing the Milwaukee Brewers this year in a, in a little opening series. Vlad Jr. will not participate in that, but the injury is not serious enough for him to miss an extended period of time. Yeah, so I think uh, the thing is he's not on the opening day roster for the Blue Jays, that's for sure. He's going to start the year in AAA because – the thing is, it's, it's that stupid uh, service time rule. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? I, I, I talked about this a little bit when we talked about uh, with, uh, with Peter Alonzo. Um, you know, I think, I, I think it's a dumb rule. And the reason why I think it's a dumb rule that teams abide by is because if a guy is that good to where, you know, he's going to come up in your lineup and he's going to produce, you're going to have to re-sign the guy anyway. You're going to give him a new contract anyway. So whether you have one year of control or not, I think is just I think is just kind of giving the the um, you know the general manager and the owner of the team kind of the head in the bargaining uh, positioning for them. It kind of puts the player at a little bit of a disadvantage. Yes, and and we also talked about many times another former journeyman of a major league player that I think is going to be on the opening day roster on the San Diego Padres is Fernando Jr., Fernando Tatis Jr., who I've heard he's had a very good spring. I can't wait to see him play when, it, when the Padres play the Dodgers, you know. I yeah. can't wait to see what he can do. As long yeah, as he I, doesn't hit a home run off of uh, Mueller or Kershaw, then I'll be okay with it. 
Yeah, but I mean that kid is just going to be that that kid's going to be special too and you know me and you obviously agree on the fact that he's going to probably run away with the National League rookie of the year. Yeah, I I look when I my impressions on this kid, he's good and I can't wait to see him play against the Dodgers whenever the Dodgers and Padres play together and when the Padres come to Dodger Stadium when he's at the plate. But I will get a little nervous when we pitch to him, but I want the I want our, I want Martin or Barnes to kind of adjust the glove where we want the pitch to be located so that Fernando doesn't swing at a home run ball. We want the pitch to be low and away and in yeah. his comfort zone and where yeah. he likes the ball be placed in the, in the strike zone. Yeah. I mean, he's going to be, he, he's going to give the Dodgers a head, you know, headaches. He's going to be a really, he's really tough out of the plate. Yeah. He's going to be a tough out at the plate. He's going to be a tremendous hitter. Um, and also Dodger killers who's hitting at, hit at well average wise at Dodger stadium for an opposing player. Fernando Tatis Jr. I think will end up passing Paul Goldschmidt for most home runs at that, at that stadium. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually, I agree with and you he's on gonna that. Love at Coors Field too. I think uh, he's going to have a field day. He's going to have a field day. Oh, it's going to, he's going to have a field day at Coors Field. And at Chase Field too. Oh, yeah. He's going to have fun hitting in this division. Yeah, except – and then I also want to see him in an opposite field homer at uh, AT&T Park with the Giants hit a, hit a home run in the uh, McCovey Cove. Yeah, I would love to see that. He certainly has the power for it. He does have the power for it for a right-handed bat. But for the Blue Jays, speaking of them, they got Peyton Richard from the Padres. I think he'll add a good veteran presence to them. I think Stroman and Sanchez will be the top-tier guys in the rotation. Ken Giles will be the closer. And I think this Blue Jays team is is has a very bright future. And I, and I like we talked about before, I think uh, Charlie Montoyo is going to do a heck of a job with this Toronto Blue Jays team. Yeah, they definitely have some nice pieces. Um, obviously, um, you know, a, a big guy for them is going to be Vlad Guerrero Jr. We talk about um, Justin Smoke is a 30 home run guy for them in their lineup. Kendrys Morales is a dude that has pop. Uh, at- the hitter spot. He's a guy that's done a lot of really nice things at the big league level. Um, I love. I like Lords Gurriel a lot. I think he's going to be a nice player for them. Obviously, Pilar, we know, unbelievable Gold Glove center fielder. Um, Stroman is an ace. Uh, Aaron Sanchez certainly has that stuff. And you know they. And then we talk about they have some nice young players on the mend as well. Um, we mentioned Vlad Guerrero Jr., but they have Bo Bichette. Um, you know, Kevin uh, Biggio. Uh, and, and a really, really nice, big, talented, young right-hander uh, headed for their rotation in the next couple of years named Nate Pearson down in the minor leagues. Big dude with uh, high 90s fastball, very, very talented stuff, raw stuff, but but a lot of talent. So, I mean, you know, they took a little – they've taken a little bit of a step back from where they were, uh, you know, previously where they had all these big boppers with, you know, Bautista and Donaldson and Edwin Encarnacion. But they they certainly have enough players to head in the right direction. Oh, absolutely. And I think Danny Jansen, when it comes to breakout players for the Toronto Blue Jays, I'm picking Danny Jansen, the catcher and Vlad Jr. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, those guys for me are going to be really, really good, uh, you know, breakout players. A guy that I uh, – another guy that I'm going to add into the mix – um, as far as breakout players go, is Lords Guriel. Um, you know, I think he's going to turn himself into a really, really nice player. I have him in my, uh, I, I have him in my lineup at the moment, starting at second base and batting in the number two slot. Yes, and also Freddie Galvis was also a nice pickup for the uh, Toronto Blue Jays as well. 
And I think the yeah. Blue Jays team should be in a solid 82-80 and 80 team under first-year manager Charlie Montoya. Yeah, which I think is I think is good. I think Charlie Montolio is going to come in and do some nice things for them. Like I said, they have some nice young players on the men. They're heading in the right direction. Um, certainly not, you know, going to obviously compete for the top of the division at the moment. But you know, as they continue to as they continue to develop their young players and get those guys in there, um, they will they will you know be back to being a you know being a force. Absolutely. So now here's my lineup for the Toronto Blue Jays. I have leading off is the center fielder, Kevin Pillar. Hitting second is the second baseman, Ludius Gurriel Jr. Hitting third is the, uh, hitting third is the, uh, hitting third is the shortstop, Freddy Galvis. Hitting fourth is the designated hitter, Kendry Morales. Hitting fifth is the third baseman, whenever he's ready, is Vlad Jr. Hitting sixth is the, uh, Right fielder Randall Gritchick. Hitting seventh is the uh, hitting seventh is the first baseman Justin Smoke. Hitting eighth is the catcher Danny Jansen, and hitting ninth is the left fielder uh, is the left fielder uh, Tassar Hernandez. Okay, um, so my day starter is Marcus Stroman. Yeah, opening day starter. I 100% agree with you. Um, my lineup looks a little bit different um, in. Uh, so leading off, um, in my lineup, uh, I have, uh, Teoscar Hernandez, um, playing at, uh, playing in right field, um, batting second. I have Lords Gurriel Jr. Uh, playing second base at, in the third spot, I have Vladdy Jr. Uh, batting, batting third and playing third base. Um, I have Justin Smoke at first base batting fourth. Kendrys Morales at the DH spot batting fifth. Randall Gritchick in left field batting sixth. Kevin Pilar in center field batting seventh. Freddie Galvis at shortstop batting eighth. And Danny Jansen at the catcher spot batting ninth. Yes, and uh, this Toronto Blue Jays team, even though that they had a bad year last year under manager John Gibbons, I think John Gibbons was a terrible manager in my opinion. I didn't think he was the right fit for this team. I think Charlie Montoya will end up being an even better fit for this Toronto Blue Jays team. Yeah, I think the managers. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that Toronto uh, Charlie Charlie Montoya is gonna um, you know take this team in the right direction. I think this team kind of stalled out with Gibbons. You know, he's kind of an old school, um, you know, hard nosed type of guy. Um, you know, I think Mont- Montoya, for, you know, first year manager, he's gonna kind of bring in a new perspective. Um, and, you know, taking over a team that even though, they, like I said, they're not going to compete for the top of the division, they have some nice young talent um, that he can continue to build on. Yes, absolutely. So now before we talk about the Rays, the next team we're going to talk about is who I think is going to be the worst team in baseball this year is the Baltimore Orioles. And Brandon Hyde, I think, is going to be a good new voice in that clubhouse for the Orioles. But he's going to have to be patient here. And I don't think the I'm going to say sorry, Orioles fans. This is not your season to start competing. And I think this is going to be a terrible season for the Baltimore Orioles. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I've talked about this once or twice. I kind of look at this um, pretty similarly to when the Sixers kind of started out with Brett Brown on the process. You know, this is what this kind of is with Brandon Hyde. Um, you know, you're just looking to develop these young players turnover. It's, you know, it's the end of the Manny Machado era. It's a new, a new kind of, um, you know, era right now that they're getting into. They have some decent young players. Cedric Mullins is a guy that I like. I think he's a breakout guy for me. Um, you know, I like Trey Mancini. Um, you know, I, I think that Jonathan VR getting a new start could be a nice addition for them. Um, it, I, I think that, 
you know, Reynado Nunez could be a really, really nice guy for them. But And then Dylan Bundy at the top of that rotation. But right now, this is just one of those things where you just got to keep building, you know, keep getting pieces, acquire talent, you know, for, or, you know, first-round draft picks, things like that, um, you know, because this is going to – this is unfortunately a team that, like I agree with you, I think it's going to be the worst team in baseball this year. And it's probably going to take a solid four, maybe five years for them to get back to where they were. Yes, yeah, so now let's talk about some uh, headlines for the Orioles. But really, they added Pedro Severino. That was a nice offseason pickup for them. Jonathan Villar is a good trade pickup for them. I think I think he's going to be a good veteran presence and a guy that's going to be a big blow to their lineup who's going to begin the year on the 60-day injured list, which everybody should get used to now that, now that it's no longer called a disabled list. Mark Trumbo had right knee surgery, so he should be back sometime in May. But yeah, right now this, this Baltimore Orioles team doesn't look good. No, not at all. Um, and, you know, having Mark Trumbo is definitely a big blow out of your lineup, considering he's one of the main dudes uh, in your lineup that, that can provide you that 30 home run pop. So now early on in the season, that just puts a lot more pressure on Chris Davis, who just like that is just, like that contract is just horrible. And he has really become honestly one of the worst hitters in baseball. Yeah, he's turned out to be. He's not good how he used to be. He's already like past this prime and now that being said when it comes to my breakout players on the Baltimore Orioles I think I'm going to go with the guy that came in the Manny Machado deal who I think is going to take over who's going to take over in left field and then Trey Mancini will be the t- designated hitter it's Yusnel Diaz yeah I like him a lot um you know you like he used you to be said a Dodger top prospect that's why I think he's going to break out this year whenever the Orioles think he's ready and I think he should get an opportunity right now yeah I actually have him in my opening day lineup I mean why not you know like the, like I said this is a team that is going to be the worst team in baseball so uh, you know my my first prerogative if I'm Brandon Hyde is let me see what I got you know give me all my young players let me throw them in the lineup you know put them in there every day give them meaningful at bats and let me see what I have so you know for me that I I have him in the uh, I have him in the opening day lineup because to me with the direction that this team is going in right now, it just, it, it makes no sense for them to, you know, kind of bear, you put them in the minor leagues, you know, give them a shot, give them some taste of the big leagues and let me see what he can do. And he could potentially be a rookie of the year nominee. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, obviously I think that, um, you know, barring the, uh, you know, the obvious two um, with, uh, you know, Eloy Jimenez and, and um, you know, Vladdy Jr., He's going to be in the discussion. I think he has the potential, certainly. Um, but, you know, I'd, I'd love to see him be in the lineup every day and get that shot. And before we get to our lineup here for the Orioles, uh, who's going to start the year on the DL is Alex Cobb, a right groin strain. He's going to begin the year on the 10-day deal. Obviously, I think that's going to be kind of a big blow to the Orioles. I think they're going to start with a four-man rotation. Andrew Kashner's not really that ace of a pitcher. I think Dylan Bundy's the ace of the Baltimore Orioles. He is. And, um, you know, obviously he's been a, a, top, a top prospect for them before. Um, had some really, really nice games for them last year. Um, but, you know, we'll see how he continues to develop. He's kind of out on an island right now with the fact that he's really kind of their only, uh, you know, and this is just the case up at the big league level, 
the kind of the really only young, super promising pitcher. You know, they have a couple of young guys down in the minor leagues. Um, you know, Dylan Tate was a former high draft pick. Hunter Harvey is a dude that they're very high on, uh, that they're waiting on right now. But, you know, as far as the future of, of the pitching rotation, Dylan Bundy's kind of out on an island by himself at the moment. Yes, he's he's going to be the guy that I think will be their only all-star on the American League when the MLB all-star game happens. I think Dylan Bundy will be the only all-star that represents the Baltimore Orioles, I think. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely agree. If it's Michael Givens, who I think is going to put up all-star stuff as the as their closer i think trey mancini i think will be an all-star as well so i'm thinking the orioles will have three all-stars in the all-star game this year yeah certainly three guys right there that are definitely number you know number one obviously the best players on their team but number two um going to be pretty much the only lone bright spots uh, at the moment maybe until mark trombo comes back depending on how he's able to bounce back from that knee injury Yes, and then my lineup for the Baltimore Orioles looks like this. I have leading off is the second baseman, Jonathan VR. Hitting second is the shortstop, Richie Martin. Hitting third is the uh, is the right fielder, Usnell Diaz. Hitting fourth is the designated hitter, Trey Mancini. Hitting fifth is the first baseman, Chris Davis. Hitting sixth is the uh, hitting sixth is the uh, is the right fielder, Joey Rickard. Hitting seventh is the third baseman, Rio is Renato Nunez. Hitting eighth is the catcher, Pedro Severino. And hitting ninth is the center fielder, Cedric Mullins. Other than changing uh, the four and the five spot, I just flipped it. I put Davis uh, in the four spot and Mancini in the five. Other than that, we have pretty much the same lineup. And talk about a big blow for the Orioles, who they lost in free agency and now who is expected to be in their opening day lineup for the Arizona Diamondbacks is Adam Jones. Yeah, really interesting move letting him go, um, especially with the fact that a young team in the, you know, in a veteran, you know, a young clubhouse, you know, a veteran presence at Adam Jones. Uh, The good thing for the Diamondbacks is they got him incredibly cheap. um, And he's a guy that, is a gold glove center fielder and still has the ability to hit for some power. So obviously a, a nice little steal for them. Um, I, I think it's going to take over for AJ Pollock in center field. And I originally had Wilmer Flores as the starting second baseman for the Diamondbacks. But now with Adam Jones on board, I expect Adam Jones to start in center field and then can tell Marte to be their second baseman. Yeah, I agree with you. And, um, you know, Baltimore, I think the, I, I think the logic behind letting him go makes sense. You know, you're going in a, you know, you're, you're rebuilding, you're going in a different direction. Adam Jones was kind of a, you know, a guy back in your glory days, you know, maybe let him walk, you know, see what you got, you know, see what you got with Cedric Mullins in center field. It makes sense. But um, I think that having his veteran presence in the locker room would have been nice. And then obviously he's got that 20 home run power. Yes, absolutely. So now, uh, the next team, which is the last team on this segment that we're going to talk about is before we go to part three, which is the opening day preview. Let's talk about a team that's going to be the second wild card team in the American League behind the Boston Red Sox under former former Boston Red Sox catcher Kevin Cash. I think the Tampa Bay Rays are going to be a fun team to watch. Expect Kevin Cash to be the manager of the year for the American League. He's certainly going to be in the conversation. Do not sleep on the Tampa Bay Rays. This is a this is going to be a very good team. Um, they don't have obviously the big names in their starting lineup that you know you would really you know that you would really desire from a team that's probably going to get ninety wins. Um, you know, Kevin Kiermaier is a really really nice center fielder for them. He's a Gold Glover. Um, 
Mike Zunino is a former Golden Spikes winner in college uh, that has that 30 home run power. We've just been waiting for him to develop with that. Um, I like Joey Wendell in their lineup. Tommy Pham is a guy that I like, along with Avisayo Garcia. But the rotation is really where they're going to, you know, really where they're going to make their money. Blake Snell is a Cy Young winner. Charlie Morton is the dude with electric stuff. Tyler Glass now is a former top prospect that has unbelievable stuff as well. Um, uh, Jose De Leon is a guy who you're familiar with. Um, he's got great stuff. He'll be eventually a part of the rotation in the future. Yes, he, he's he's still recovering from Tommy John surgery, but I don't expect with the Rays. Speaking of their rotation, I don't expect them to use the opener strategy again unless if they really have to. No, I don't think they will either, especially now with the way that this rotation looks. Um, and then you know you really mentioned good, it does it does look really good. I think this is going to end up being a rotation that could be top five in the American League in, in most pitching categories. It was stupid for them to give up Chris Archer, but I think Blake Snell's turned out to be the new man in charge for the Rays when it comes to being their ace. Yeah, he is tremendous. I think he has got unbelievable stuff. Cy Young winner. Um, I think unbelievably underpaid. Uh, you know, it, it blew my mind that they were originally going to give that dude a salary of 573K. Um, I think 50 million is still selling that guy short, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, tremendous starter, tremendous stuff. Um, I think going to compete for another signing award again. Absolutely. And then I really like the signing of Charlie Morton, too, to kind of compliment him. Tyler Glasnow is going to be in the rotation. I expect Jose DeLeon to be in there as the number four guy in the rotation. And then Wilmer Font, the former Dodger, will be will round out the rotation as the fifth guy in the rotation. And if and if they need if if they need an extra day of rest, then I would expect the the race to use the bull the uh, use a bullpen game like have a middle reliever start the game and then have the long reliever like Jalen Beeks get the second through sixth inning. Yeah, definitely. And um, also another guy eventually when he comes back with Tom, uh, from Tommy John surgery, um, a guy who they could certainly slide into their rotation is their top uh, one of their top pitching prospects, Brent Honeywell. Yeah, he's a pitcher, and uh, he's he has pretty good stuff here. And uh, I like the addition of Charlie Morton. Tommy Pham has been a good help for them. And I really think Austin Meadows is going to be in right field to start. And then I expect Garcia to be the DH and then Jing Meng Choi to be the starting first baseman for the Tampa Bay Rays. And my breakout player for the Tampa Bay Rays this year, he's a guy that I think is going to be a very good player for this team, a guy that I don't expect to be a guy that's going to wow everybody, a guy that's going to get on base, going to steal you a lot of bases is Willie Adamas. Yeah, I think he's going to be a really, really nice uh, a nice player for them, kind of going to fly under the radar. Um, a couple of breakout players for me that I have, um, I have Tyler Glass now. Um, I think he's going to, I think he's going to finally grow into his stuff this year um, for a full season and be a really, really nice three in their rotation for them. Avisayo Garcia is a guy who I have uh, breaking out um, tremendous power potential. Hopefully he grows into it. Austin Meadows is a dude that they got in the Chris Archer trade. He's a really, really nice young hitter. Um, and then another young guy that I have, uh, and then a guy that I have breaking out for them who, like I meant, you know, like I mentioned, former Golden Spikes winner Mike Zanino. He's a dude that has that power potential to catcher's position, th- you know, 30 home run type power. Uh, we've seen it. Just has not been able to consistently put together, you know, uh, good stretches at the plate. Um, you know, has to cut down on his swing if he's able to do that. This guy could be a 30, 35 home run guy. Absolutely, he can. And yeah. my starting lineup for the Tampa Bay Rays to, to begin the year is goes like this. I have leading off is Kevin Kermeyer. Hitting second is the left fielder, Tommy Pham. 
Hitting third is the third baseman, Matt Duffy. Hitting cleanup is the uh, hitting cleanup is the uh, right fielder, Austin Meadows. Hitting fifth is the designated hitter, Azavel Garcia. Hitting sixth is the first baseman, Jing Meng Choi. Hitting seventh is the catcher, Mike Zunino. Hitting eighth is the second baseman, Joey Wendell. And hitting ninth is the shortstop, Willie Adamas. Yeah, we basically we... – we we have the same guys in the lineup. Uh, my lineup is a little bit different. Mine goes like this. Uh, our top two are the same. I have Kevin Kiermeyer leading off playing center field and Tommy Pham uh, batting second in left field. Um, I have Avisayo Garcia at the DH spot batting third. I have Jimon Choi uh, at first base batting fourth. I have Matt Duffy at third base batting fifth. I have Joey Wendell at second base batting sixth. I have Austin Meadows at right field batting seventh. Mike Zanino at the catcher spot batting eighth. And Willie Adamas at shortstop batting ninth. Yes, and then let's talk about before we end this segment, let's talk about some news about the Dodgers. I heard that I predicted Alex Verdugo was going to start in left field, but Dave Roberts already made up his mind over the weekend that he expects Jock Peterson and Chris Taylor to uh, platoon in left field. But at the same time, I expect Alex Verdugo to get a lot of playing time this year, but at the same time – but at the same time, I'm, I was told this weekend that this is going to be kind of a year that Verdugo will kind of learn, grow, slow, grow slowly into being an everyday, everyday player, which I, 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 I don't disagree with, but I think this will be good for him. No, I'm kind of there with you. I don't really disagree with it, but at the same time, I take a look at it in left field and um, you know, I, I'm not really sure how much effect in this year going to get out of that platoon every day. I mean, I like Chris Taylor. Um, my, my concern is really more so Jock Peterson. I mean, if you're going to want a platoon, you're going to have Jock Peterson in your lineup a, a really good amount of the time. And, um, you know, we know that he's he can hit well against right-handed pitching as far as power goes, but he has shown no consistency with his swing as far as being able to hit for average. D- he's a decent outfielder. He's not a great one, but I mean, I, like I get the logic behind it. I just kind of worry about the everyday production that you're going to get out of left field. I kind of, yeah, I, but everything else from what Robert said this weekend, he said everyone, everything else has everyone else has everyday roles, just except left field. But at the same time, I expect big things out of Alex Verdugo this year. But, but my perspective of is I rich, I was all out on predicting him as the team's everyday left fielder, but. At the same time, I can understand that Roberts is doing what's best for Verdugo. You don't that he thinks that starting Verdugo right, not starting Verdugo right away, will help with his growth. But he made the opening day roster, which I'm happy about. But I just think that him starting as a bench player will kind of help his help with his development slowly. No, I do get that. I mean, you know, kind of sitting back and 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 watching, it's almost kind of like you know, drafting the quarter. It's almost like drafting Pat Mahomes and having him sit behind, uh, you know, Alex Smith for 14 games. You know, it's a, it's a learning experience. You kind of learn how to go about the job every day. Um, you know, you learn, you know, you, you watch guys hit big league pitching, you know, you watch their approach at the plate, kind of take notes on it. But then when you go in there, you know, you, you obviously play well, you show your ability, you show your talent. And, um, you know, I, again, like I said, I, I don't disagree with the approach. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's fairly interesting. It's just for me, I just will worry a little bit about the production that you're going to get out of left field on a consistent basis. But yeah, I mean, other than that, I can, I can sort of understand, um, where Dave Roberts is coming from. Yeah. Cause I, we were predicting that Verdugo was going to start in left field, but Roberts was like, Oh, I want Verdugo 
I, I think Verdugo is going to be great on this Dodgers team. But at the same time, I think what Roberts is doing is just he just wants Verdugo not to start right away, which I could get. I think it's just the, I think at first they're just going to let him learn. But I'm happy he's on the opening day roster, which I think he had a good spring. And I do think that he's I do believe that big things are coming for Alex Verdugo in the near future. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. But it'll be a matter of time when he'll start. But the reason why we got Pollock was so that he can kind of mentor Alex Verdugo. Yeah, and you know and what? Verdugo's That's a... only 22, so. Yeah, no, he's he's got a lot of time to grow. And, you know, Pollock is a, is a nice mentor for him, um, certainly because he's been a guy that has performed at an all-star level um, when healthy. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't really be shocked if there were certain points during the year where if you wanted to sit – um, you know, uh, Pollock for maintenance reasons, if that are, if those are situations where you throw in Verdugo to start. Yeah. In center field, that's what Roberts was, was going at. 